Before today's episode starts, just a quick one from us. If you're currently listening on Apple and Spotify and you enjoy listening to Strike It Big, consider leaving a five-star review along with what you thought of the pod. As the more reviews we get, the more the podcast grows and the bigger and better the guests get. Thanks in advance. Bring on the pod. In the Muslim community, people are getting into business and stuff like that. Mohammed Hijab, most influential Muslim in the UK, who's here to shed light on why more and more entrepreneurs are turning to Islam. He's a believer in creating strong warrior men and feels strongly about fighting back against woke culture. Whenever there's war, feminism becomes irrelevant, yeah. almost instantly, because we need to get things done now. How was it debating Jordan Peterson? He's not the same man that he used to be. Any Nobody money. can tell you what that market's gonna do. No one. If you price something very low, mm. people will say, oh, there's something wrong with it. There's no value to it. One thing in Islam, which is not allowed, clearly, is interest. It's not allowed to give it or receive it. People like Andrew Tate, I mean, he's recently become Muslim. On the day I went to see him, they froze my account. Mohammed, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure so to have much. you. Thank you so much for having me. No, I like this. I like this entrance. I think I'm going to tell my wife and kids that this is yeah, the every, copious notes on how to do this. Every time you come home. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Dinner's ready. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the first guest we've had on that's actually taller than my dad. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's a surprise Yeah, I'm not you. having it. <laughs> so we've um, interviewed a lot of people on this podcast and mm. we've noticed a shift towards Islam, especially among the entrepreneurial-minded people. Yeah. Um, what do you think attracts them to the values of Islam? I think nowadays we're, we're kind of like in a very specific time in history. Like, you know, there's the culture wars and then there's, within that there's the gender wars. I think that's what's going on. And um, Islam has a very strict stance on certain traditional issues, right? And I think a lot of people want the blunt truth on issues to do with gender and sexuality and all these kind of things, the family unit and these kind of things. And since Islam is a proselytizing religion, unlike, for example, Orthodox Judaism, which is a very similar religion in terms of what you'll find in laws and so on, it kind of appeals to that kind of pe that um, segment, subsection of society. So I do think um, that's part of the reason. And people like Andrew Tate, I mean, he's recently become Muslim. I've done a, a podcast with him. Hmm. The reasons he cites are because of the very strong stances, a very clear moral guidelines uh, that Islam has to offer. A lot of other people talk about the fact that Islam talks about one God worthy of worship, you know, and the central tenet of Islam is, is referred to as Tawheed or monotheism, to believe in one God worthy of worship. And then all these other things, are, for example, a lot of the uh, biblical prophets, Abraham, Moses, uh, Jesus even, they are in the Quran. You see? So it's not, not fam uh, disfamiliar, it's not unfamiliar for people that come from Judeo-Christian backgrounds to, to embrace Islam uh, and to believe in it. So I think that's probably the reason why. But we'd have to maybe do a study on it and ask them. But Andrew Tate, these are the reasons he gave. I mean, we had Elfie Best on, on one of our podcasts and he's what I would typically describe as a, a London geezer sort of lad, you know, ducker and diver, and probably the last person you would expect to take on Islam as, mm. a, as, a, as a religion. Mm. Uh, but he spoke very well of it. And I don't know if you've spoken to him, but what, what do you think would be the reason that would attract him? I don't know much about him, to be completely honest with you, but um, Nietzsche, a very interesting philosopher, he was postmodern, like the father of postmodernism, and he was an atheist in his own right. Like, and he actually had something to say about Islam, which I think is relevant to this discussion. Um, and he was talking about Islam comparative to Christianity. Okay, and he was saying that 
he referred to Islam as a masculine religion. Okay, it's a very interesting kind of terminology. And he talked about uh, the fact that Islam was uh, a religion that kind of gave people a sense of masculinity and um, and he, he had some derogatory things to say about Christianity. In fact, one, one thing he talked about vis-a-vis -vis Christianity is that it, he referred to it as a slavish religion. If you think about Jesus Christ in, in Christianity, for example, he was crucified. You know, he was resurrected. These are the central tenets of Christianity. And so from, from the perspective of Nietzsche, that's a losing battle. Like, if this was a story, he would have been a loser. Uh, this is a losing narrative, you see. In Islam, the, the narrative is not the same. We do have Jesus Christ, but he wasn't killed or crucified, so he was uh, uh, ascended. There is the obviously the doctrine of ascension in Christianity as well. But if you look at the central figure of Islam, which is Muhammad, right? he went through a, a war, or a variety of wars, a series of wars, and at the end of it, he was victorious. And that's historically attested to. I mean, there's, there's no controversy on that issue. And that's why Islam spread and so on. So Islam is a warrior religion. In many ways and it's unapologetically so it's it's, it's about expansion it's about um con conquest and so on and i think high testosterone men who want to win in life they look at that and they say well what do i want to be do i want to be a winner do i so what what kind of virtues do i need bravery do i need uh you know i don't like to use the word patriarchy because it's, it has these connotations of mm. exploitation right but we want to have a household where you know there's a managerial hierarchy and the man is at the top of it for example uh, polygamy is obviously a, a big thing nowadays with the kind of red pill movement and so on and things like that as well so i think these things combined have made islam a very attractive proposition to a certain group of people but i i think if you look at the stats anyway islam was a religion people were converting to in the united kingdom and i think it was the number one religion people were converting to ironically the data that we have says that women were actually converting to it more than men which is kind of interesting now because a lot of men are coming to Islam. Um, the reason why, uh, we don't know exactly what the reasons what, uh, are, but because there is an exact reasoning. I've, I've looked at some of like the British attitude surveys and stuff like that. But I think the theological tenets, like for example, if you look at the Trinity, the idea of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in Christianity, that the fact that Jesus is God and he's a man, um, compared to the fact that you know, you've got one God worthy of worship, he's not a man, he's not a child, he's not all of those things, you know, that Jesus is the Messiah in Islam, but he's not a God. That we don't believe that anyone with a date of birth can ever be a God. Is Jesus a God or is he the son of God? So we, we don't, so Muslims don't believe he was the son of God or God. Okay. We say that he was the Messiah, right? So he was the chosen person from God. And he was a mighty messenger sent from God. That he was actually this, um, he was born from the Virgin Mary, but that he wasn't God himself incarnate. No. And so a lot of people that leave Christianity can't make sense of the Trinity. They say, why is it that you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are three co-equal, co-eternal? How could it be that you have the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, but there's not three gods, but one God? How does it, how does it compute? You know? And so because people have become disillusioned with some of the key um, theological tenets of Christianity, and Islam is a natural next step from Christianity. In fact, it doesn't negate it. Like the Quran doesn't negate uh, biblical prophets, as we mentioned, doesn't negate Jesus, doesn't negate Mary. A lot of people just say, okay, well, in that case, uh, let's take a look at the Quran. Let's see what it's talking about. Let's see what kind of uh, message it's, it's, it's putting forward. And uh, a lot of them become Muslim. You mentioned um, atheism. Atheism? That's <laughs> a word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, people that are atheists. Um, 
as I understand it, and I could be wrong here, obviously, but um, do you have uh, more respect for, say, someone who's a Christian than you, or than you do someone who's an atheist? From a religious standpoint, of course. From a religious standpoint, okay, you can have a Christian, you can have a Muslim guy who's a you know a mass murderer. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and we don't have respect for him from that angle. But from the theological angle, then yeah, Islam is a religion which actually demarcates um, theologically. You got. Christians and Jews, they're in the, 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 the right next door neighbor, if you like, to the Muslims. Is they, are, they have a separate category called Ahl Kitab. So, for example, a Muslim man can marry a Christian woman. And my father actually married an Irish uh, Christian Catholic uh, woman. Do they have to convert after no, they, that? No, they don't have to convert. But right. the, the, the opposite is not true. A, a Muslim woman cannot marry a Christian man because the idea is that women are more likely to assimilate to the religion of the man. So why would we put ourselves in a disadvantage from that perspective. Do you know what I mean? So a Muslim man can marry a Christian or Jewish woman. We can eat the Jewish and Christian meat. So for example, and that's a very big deal in Islam, as is in Judaism, for example, we have halal meat. I'm not sure if you're aware. Mm. Jews have kosher meat. We can eat kosher meat. If a, if a Christian person had uh, slaughtered meat, we can eat that as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of the placement of Christian people in the Islamic imagination, I think it's certainly uh, higher than obviously atheism or polytheism or something like that so, so why is it that you uh, again it's only as i understand yeah. it because i've been doing a bit of research yeah, sure. uh, as islam seems to have a thing against atheists yeah. um when really they just don't believe in god they don't believe there isn't one or there is one they just don't believe in it or is atheism the belief there certainly isn't a god or is it that because there's agnostic right as well that you're not sure if there is or there isn't there's different compartmentalization so there's individuals that like some people some scholars and philosophers like they break down atheism into negative and positive mm. so a negative atheist is someone says well i don't have enough evidence to believe in god therefore i don't know if he exists and it's, it's a very similar definition to agnosticism where an agnostic would say i don't know if there's a god or not mm. a positive atheist is someone who tries to make an active argument against the existence of god so they say well because of and it's usually the problem of evil that's the most cited ones because there's evil in the world god can't exist because how can they for example david attenborough said something similar he said how could it be that god exists and you've got like worms coming out of the face of children in africa or something like that it, they think it's in a gator of course some atheists reject that, like um, William Hasker, he's a philosopher, he's an atheist, and he said that this is an intellectually bankrupt case. But the point is, is that atheism is divided into athe uh, positive and negative kind of atheism. Islam's stance on it is as follows. I mean, there's a verse in the Quran that says, Were they created from nothing? Or were they themselves the creators of themselves? So in other words, the, the verse is trying to get you to, under to look at the possibilities. What are the possibilities? You're either the universe came from nothing, but we know that from nothing, nothing comes because nothing is the absence of something. So either the universe came from nothing, and that's impossible, or the universe created itself, and that's also impossible because you can't be there and not be there at the same time. You can't create yourself. It's like a mother giving birth to herself. It's mm. logically impossible. So what's the, what's the alternative? The alternative is so obvious, painstakingly obvious that the Quran doesn't even spell it out. It says, what, what, are the, what are the alternatives to believing in an all-knowing and all-powerful God that everything depends upon in creation? The alternatives is what saying that something came from nothing. Is that something you're willing to take to the grave? Or the fact that the universe created itself or that you created yourself? And so these are the, if, if you feel like, it's a logical disjuncture with exhaustive possibilities. If you look at all of the possibilities uh, that can logically be 
ascertained, you will come to the conclusion that actually there must be something that gives power or that is everything else depends upon and it depends upon nothing. The independent one, we, we would call God. Mm. So it's not necessarily that we have anything against atheists per, per se. It's just the fact that we think that their position has no explanatory scope. Like the atheistic position cannot explain existence or purpose. And these are the two main things that for a human being to be happy and functional in the world, they only need to be able to explain. Why am I here? Okay, why is there existence rather than non-existence? Why is there something rather than nothing? And then what is the purpose of life? These two questions, atheism doesn't have an answer to it. And so we would say, if you are an atheist, then you have to start thinking, what are the possibilities? What are the possibilities? How is it that I came here? How is it the universe came to be? Why is there something rather than nothing? And what's the purpose of life? If you ask yourself these two questions, we believe it will lead you to theism, basically. Because, I mean, ultimately, there's a question beyond that, isn't there? It's like, where did God or the power come from yeah. to even create? So mm. it's a never-ending, non-answerable question. Yeah, but then th that's, a, that's a common... Um, Objection, right? So someone will say, well, well, if you're saying... I'm that, only playing devil's yeah, advocate, advocate right? So, course, someone, so. Will, someone will say, well, where did God come from, right? And so we define God as the eternal, pre-eternal, post-eternal uh, being, the independent one, which nothing depends upon, it depends upon nothing and everything else depends on. And you need something like that in creation to, to explain creation or existence in the first place. So that's what science would call dark matter, potentially not really because dark matter has to exist within a framework a cosmological right. framework like black holes and all of that stuff has to exist within a closed circuit of the universe or something like that right but we're talking about something which everything depends upon and it depends upon nothing it's, it's pre-eternal it's without beginning okay the fact that we're saying it's without beginning and we say where did where did it come from it's it's tantamount to asking the question where did the thing without how did the thing without no beginning begin so we would say in the in the presupposition of the questioning is either a non-understanding of what we're talking about in the first place, something with no beginning, or a contradiction, which is even worse, which is that how does something with no beginning have a beginning? Well, we're saying it had no beginning. Do you see what I mean? And in fact, we say that it having no beginning is logically, um, it's, it's a logically necessary step. Mm. So for example, uh, th there are lots of... Um, arguments that theists have made, Muslims and Christians and Jews, in fact, are for time to prove this. And it's usually a discussion about infinity, that you can't have an infinite regress of things. So for example, if I were to say, I'm going to drink this coffee now, but before I do so, I'm going to ask him for permission. And I'm going to, before he's going to ask you for permission. And let's consider the fact that there's an infinite amount of people in the world. Would I ever drink this? So they would say, no, you wouldn't drink this. This is the infinite regress. There cannot be an infinite regress of causes, therefore, people say. There cannot be an infinite regress of causes because if we're talking about, imagine this is the universe. For it to have a beginning, I, you know, if there's an infinite regress of causes before me drinking this cup of coffee, then I'll never drink the cup of coffee. The same thing applies. So that you have to have something which, which is, has no beginning that starts everything up. That's a logically inferred uh, thing. If you don't have that, then the, the alternative is an infinite regress of causes. And if you have an infinite regress of causes, then it will be impossible to... It's the proposition that you can, the inexhaustible has been exhausted. So why wouldn't you stop that chain at like the Big Bang? Why can't that be the first thing that starts everything that came from nothing? Because if something has to come from nothing, yeah. then why can't it be that? So I'm saying like, for example, if we assume that something create, created something, which created something, which mm. created something, and that went on infinitely. And the definition of an infinite thing is, un, is unbound, it's limitless. 
It doesn't have a beginning or end. It's infinite. If we keep going like that, and we say, well, it has to, now there's a universe, or now there's a Big Bang, or now there's whatever, then we're essentially saying that inexhaustible has been exhausted. So in other words, because infinity is inexhaustible. So if it had a beginning now, then the infinite regress of causes have, has been exhausted at the point of the Big Bang. We would say that that's a illogical proposition. So the point is, is that um, we would say to avoid all contradiction, you have to come to a conclusion that there is a being or a thing that has no beginning and no end, which is independent which everything depends upon and it is dependent upon it is dependent upon nothing and that thing instantiates everything in the universe and that thing we would call god okay. if this god was so powerful and yeah. so all-knowing yeah then why would it care about us because we must seem so small compared to that yeah i mean so the thing is is you got to ask yourself the question what is ascertainable about the universe we know for a fact that the universe for instance, has life. That's something we, the universe exists, we exist. I mean, these are things we can all agree on. The universe exists, we exist within the universe. And life exists within the universe. These are there. These are things which no one can, it's in And do you believe that life exists elsewhere in the universe Possibly. as well? Just I don't know, I think so, yes. I, yeah. I, I think it's very possible. Is that a thing of the Quran or Islam thinks, or is that your personal thought? Some scholars within Islam explicitly believe that, but it's, a, yeah. it's kind of like, it almost seems like impossible that it yeah. couldn't exist somewhere else, yeah, yeah, doesn't I, it? Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. But let's, let's go back to the point, which is that, look, you've got the universe. Everyone ag agrees. Atheist, theist, Christian, Jew, Muslim, everyone agrees there's a universe. Fine. Inside the universe, you have life. Okay, and life is the difference between biology and chemistry. Chemistry is non-life. Biology is life. Biology is a study of living things. So, okay, you have th living things within the universe. The universe is proportioned in a manner that allows life to exist. That is a fact, it's an indubitable fact. It is an indubitable, incontrovertible fact. The fact that you have life in the universe and that the universe has the parameters of the universe, the laws of the universe, whatever you want, the laws of physics, whatever you want to call it, whatever label you want to put to it, has allowed life to exist. Now the question is, what's the best explanation for this? Now you've got one or two explanations. You could say that it came from randomness literally like a lottery ticket or whatever it is and you guys are into investments and all that so you know the you know the you know you know the you know the I don't numbers know if I'll put a lottery ticket down as an investment <laughs> yeah. anyway. do you know what I mean I don't think you yeah. put your money if, on that if one. it didn't come randomly then we wouldn't be here to discuss the point anyway yeah. so yeah I mean this is the anthropic principle but I'm I'm just saying let's let's look at the exhaustive possibilities so you've got randomness right you can say it came randomly or you can say it came from an intelligent or knowledge all right you can say it came necessarily which doesn't really explain much. I mean, it came necessarily, but from whence or from where? So, okay, anyway, so you've got two real contenders, randomness and intelligence or knowledge. Randomness, I would postulate, I would claim doesn't even exist. There's no such thing as randomness. Because what is randomness or chance? Uh, chance is just the, our way of not understanding or putting a label to things we don't understand. Like someone will come to you and say, well, look, you got to where you're at, at your level, and you know your business acumen whatever by chance through ch through luck they'll mm -hmm. use the word luck because they I don't mean, know how to do it because they don't know how to do it they don't understand that there was a process that was a very uh, interesting or calculated strategic process that you took and that these each decision that business decision that you took was actually conscientious and it was strategic it's like a chessboard you are moving pieces 
but for for the for the ignoramus, they will look at it and not see that there's a there's a move that's being made at each level. And the th same thing, same analogy can be applied to almost anything. Randomness is just our misunderstanding or non-understanding of something. Randomness doesn't exist. I mean, if I were to say, well, how can you empirically prove randomness? Can you put this whole this abstract noun randomness under a microscope? We can see its dimensions or its substantive uh, features. So randomness doesn't exist. So I say, what are we left with? We're left with proposition one, which is that there is a knowledge. Either there is a knowledge or no knowledge. Either this universe came about as a result of a knowledge, a greater knowledge that put the constituents of the universe and the proportions of the universe such that life can exist within it, which mm. is indubitable, that everyone agrees, or that it didn't happen. If it didn't happen, then we're talking about beyond lottery numbers. We're talking about something which I would actually postulate would be impossible. It's, it's something that wouldn't happen. So, so when you combine the fact that you need something which is independent and it has knowledge, then that is our definition of God. What is God? God is the higher power or the independent one which has knowledge. That's really what God is. And so, so we say that if you, if you have a God like that, to go to your question about why would he care about us or whatever, then we are explainable through this higher power. So the question is, we have free will, if we believe in free will, if we believe that we have free will, what decisions that we do we have to make which are most appropriate in forming a relationship with this higher power? The Islamic answer is, you must submit to the will of the higher power. Just like everything in creation is doing something, like for example, the universe has laws. Yeah, the, There's the electromagnetic you know, constant, for example, yeah. you know, the, the, gra the gravitational constant, these are all constants. These things God has forced to do in a certain manner. Whereas we would say God has given human being the choice because he's a sentient being with uh, cognitive what's, abilities. What's the difference between choice and randomness then? Like you have the, the choice to do anything you want in a way that could be random. Uh, so choice is really defined as the ability to choose A over B. So there's at least two options, and then there is some, there is something that weighs A over B. So for example, I've got water in front of me and coffee. I can decide to go to drink this one, or I can decide to drink that one. So it's, it's this is A and this is B. Whereas randomness is you have a series of variables, A, B, C, D, and what's being said is that A, B, and C, and D are being formed in that way by no... Um, decision maker what we always, what we would say is that the specification of the universe the proportionment of the universe um, actually is indication that there is a sorting agent an external sorting agent that's making decisions just like we're making decisions so the fact that things exist in the universe and that there are one way not another is actually evidence of the fact that something is making a decision as to what sh something should be a over b so to answer your question, choice is to decide over uh, decide A over B, for example, whereas randomness is the proposition that something is being sorted without an external sorter, which uh, there is no evidence for that. So do you believe that we do have choice to pick A over B, or is that a divine plan that's put upon us, and then all of those choices lead to the same conclusion? We believe that a human being has a choice. Okay, and if it wasn't like that, then there would be an injustice because then how, if, if God said, okay, well, every human being, I'm going to make the decision on their behalf and then put them into the hellfire or something afterwards, then that would be completely unjust, right? Mm -hmm. So the human being has a choice, but God allows him to make those choices. So the supreme agent is still God, but he's allowing human being to exercise his free will. 
with the amount of power though we have over like the planet if yeah. we're all to make the wrong choice yeah. then surely the whole plan would be knocked off course what would god do then you know if everything's not going to plan i think that the power that we think we have over the planet is overstated i mean you saw this whole thing with the titanic i mean they were mm. mentioning um that we we have that area that they're trying to go underneath to find this less explored than outer space yeah. we were it's talking crazy. about this the other day yeah. do you know, do you know what i mean i mean look, look think of the following if human beings all came together with all their expertise and all their knowledge a full time and hist historically and contemporaneously all came together they would still yet be closer to knowing nothing than they would to knowing everything. That's the weakness of the human being. Mm. In fact, there's a verse in the Quran that says, uh, If the human beings all came together to create a fly, they wouldn't be able to basically mm. create a fly. Why? Because if they came together, the fly itself, I mean, if you look at how that's, if you look at a fly, if you look at the documentary, they're the most viewed documentaries in the world. If you look at IMDb, mm. uh, Earth and these kind of things, because human beings are fascinated with it. All the inventions that we get, we get, we draw inspiration from Mother Nature, if you like, which we have to personify because we don't, we, we can't, we can't explain why it's acting in a certain manner. But anyway, if you look at a fly, I mean, we haven't reached the stage where we can create anything from nothing. So we are, we are getting to the stage where we can create AI, which may then yeah. go on to be able to do these things that we can't do. We would say the following: we would say that anything that human being creates, God takes credit for, because God creates the human being. Do you see what I mean? Mm. I mean, in the Quran says, He's the one who created you and what you do. So all of you, your, your combined success, you know, in the business world or in, in whatever, God takes credit for that. Do you know what I mean? Because right. actually he created you. He created this marvelous creature that was able to go into the world of business and do these kind of things. So it's in the same way as like if I created a robot so fantastic that it was able to, if I created a car, you know, and that, that car was doing you know, brilliant records or something. I would take credit for that. Mm. God created the human being, and so therefore God takes credit for all the uh, all the things that human being does. As a Muslim, yeah. um, do you have to believe in everything the Quran says? Yes. Yeah. So there's no deviation whatsoever. Yeah. And you use Arabic, I think, yeah. there, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, when I'm researching and I'm trying to look at Islam, one of the things that knocks me off course is when it starts going into Arabic. Yeah. Um, do you, is it uh, upon you to learn Arabic as a, as a Muslim? No, like you don't have to learn Arabic as a Muslim. You don't, I mean, all you need to know is basically there's a, there's a prayer that we make every day. We pray five times, as you know. Muslims have to pray five yeah. times a day and fast. There's five pillars of Islam. And there's a prayer that we say, which is an Arabic, one prayer. And in, in essence, you really have to just memorize that one. It's a, it's a very short prayer. Yeah. And it's, it's telling you, I mean, it's, it's a prayer between you and God where you're asking God to guide you. And that, that's really it. But apart from that, you don't have to learn the entire language. Okay, because yeah. it, it sort of loses me a little bit. Yeah. But the way I understand it is mm. it's a bit like sort of opera yeah. where, you know, I can't, I, I can't get into opera because I don't understand the words, yeah. but the emotion is there. Yeah. And I think with Arabic, does it not bring out the emotion of the Quran? It does. I mean, that's why, you know, if you want, if someone wants to get deeper into it, they would learn the Arabic language. Like anything else, it's, um, once again, to give the business analogy, if someone wants to really get into investments, I'm not into it as much as you guys are. Right? They're right. tuning to Mark Tilbury. You have to watch Tom Mark Tilbury, you know, yeah. you have to understand, get the basics right, and then do you mm. know what I'm trying to say? And it is quite complicated, to be honest, for someone who is a beginner, 
like, okay, do I have to really know about the stock exchange? Do I have to know about the price of gold? And do I have to know this and the, the currencies and all that stuff? Mm. It can become very overwhelming for someone who's not interested. But we would argue that the, the benefits that one would get from attaching themselves to the purpose of life is greater than the benefits one would get from monetary yeah, you know, uh, benefits. Although both of them are good, you know. So you say you've got to believe one hundred percent in everything the Quran yeah. says. Yeah. Um, is that potentially a failing of Islam that mm. someone might want to? Well, you know, I, I take ninety-five percent and I'm really with it, but I just can't go that extra five percent that you yeah. lose them. Or, or what's the situation? And a lot of people do that with Christianity, don't they? They sure. pick and choose what they want from the book, and no but, one really follows it properly. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is this, is that Islam doesn't want converts. It doesn't, do you know what I mean? Like in the sense that it's not trying to sell itself to anybody. If someone wants to become Muslim, then they can become Muslim and they will benefit from that. There was, there were some people who came to the Prophet Muhammad and they said to him, we have become Muslim and boasting in it. The Quran says, uh, you know, they come to you and boast that they have become Muslim. And then it says, that actually God is the one who should be you know, uh, not boasting, but he, he's the one who should be incurring the favor upon you that he brought you to guidance. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So in other words, it's not it's, it's not a sales program where we're getting commission for bringing people to Islam. Although, obviously, bringing people to Islam is something which we which we want to do because we believe that it's the right way to live. Um, but it sells itself in that sense. And so it's not something where you can pick and choose. Because we say, like, look, God is the all-knowing one. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. The Quran says, that Does he not know what he created and he is the all subtle and all aware? God, he knows what he created, right? And so if he knows what he created, he knows what laws to break, to put down. So for example, if I'm having an argument with my wife on a marital issue, the way I arbitrate it is I say, well, let's go back to the constitution that we both believe in. Let's see, you know, let's, you bring your case and I bring my case and see which one is correct. And so there is a rule system and no one is above, no one can break the long arm of the law uh, when it comes to Islamic law. So uh, it's really like that. You can't pick and choose. In fact, there's verses explicit in the Quran saying you cannot Do you believe in parts of the book and disbelieve in other parts of the book? So it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's another uh, verse in the Quran. Come into Islam or the religion wholeheartedly. It's one of those things that you have to come into fully. Do you know what I mean? Let's say you sinned up until like you were 70 years old and on, on your deathbed, maybe let's say 80 or 90, you convert to being a Muslim, Islam. Do you get forgiven for all those sins yeah. and then go on to the afterlife? No matter like, how bad. The, no matter how bad, yeah, that's right. We, we actually have a, a, a specific saying of the Prophet to that effect, mm. which is narrated by Ibn Mas'ud in Bukhari, which is the most authoritative book of the Quran, which says that, in there's going to be someone that's going to be all their life doing sinful actions or the actions of the people of the hellfire. And then right before the person dies, he will, something will change in his life and he'll do the actions of the people of heaven and then they'll go into heaven. So in other words, it's really about how you die. You could be a great Muslim all your life, but then if you become a disbeliever, we believe, at the last minute, then you will be judged upon that. What's the incentive to follow all these strict um, laws and, and guides in the book if 
you can get forgiven at the end of it as long as you repent on all of those things the thing is god is all aware of what the motivations and the incentives of human being is so there is no trickery applied you know in fact some people have tried to do this but god actually calls that out it says you know they try to deceive god and god is the one who deceives them so in other words you can't play the system in that sense because no one knows when they're going to die i mean we could die at any point you know uh the quran states that uh you, death can come to you even if you're living in a fortified fortress. Mm. Nowadays, like I was looking at the Office of National Statistics, 500,000 people die on a, on a yearly basis in this country. And I was looking at cancer research, and one out of two people die out of cancer in this country, apparently. I mean, it's a shocking statistic. Mm. So it, no matter who you are and where we are, we could die at any point. It could, doesn't matter. Like death is, doesn't discriminate on, on, the, on that ground. So we, the first thing is that we don't know when we're going to die. And as such, it's very important to have, we would say, that spiritual protection. So that if you do die, religion is like a log in the sea of the afterlife. It would keep you afloat so that you don't drown, um, we would say, in a very severe manner. So what is the afterlife? What, what happens when you die? We believe that what happens when you die is you've got two things, uh, effectively. You've got the, the, the soul and the body. We believe in dualism or at least some kind of dualism. We have a soul and a body. And... Death is basically the separation of the soul from the body. And we believe this happens every night. So consider the following. You go to sleep. What happens when you go to sleep? You go to sleep and you lose your consciousness. We believe that death is just an extended version of that. But now, when you're, instead of dreaming, you're in another realm. You're in a completely different realm. And to be honest with you, I think it is the most easy time in human history to believe in this. I mean, we're in the age of AI, as you mentioned where, I don't know, what's that thing called that the Facebook are doing, Meta? Hmm. Where you put literally... Yeah, virtual reality. Virtual reality, yeah. you know, the kind of thing. You could put something and you can literally be somewhere else. So we will say, if you can... I mean, if it's so easy to believe from a technological perspective that you can be transported to another realm through cognitive processes or otherwise, I mean, the Neuralink that... Uh, what's his name? Elon Musk hmm. is talking about. Literally, you can manipulate your brain. So we will say, isn't it easy for God to do such a thing? The all-powerful the all one? That if you were to die, that you were to be resurrected in a manner, in a different realm, where you will see a different reality. You know, and that's what we believe in. And there's two major realities, heaven and hell. And we believe in those. Heaven is a real place and hell is a real place. Um, yeah, so we have something called the Day of Judgment, where everyone is judged for their sins. Christians believe in the same thing, you know. Mm. And then after that, based on the judgment or the test, then someone goes to heaven or hell. And we believe that the world that we live in is a test. It's a, it's a testing grounds. The, the purpose of life is to be tested by God, whether you're going to do good or whether you're going to do bad. That's really as simple as it's a test. So for these reasons, does death scare you? <sighs> to be honest, the only thing about death that scares me is that I won't do enough before it. Hmm. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I just want to make sure that because, you know, I've got children and yeah, all this yeah. kind of thing, I want to leave enough behind for my children, for my community, for my family, that, okay, when I'm dead, that that's all there so, but that scares me about death in, in terms of the actual death itself I don't think it scares me as such because every day I think about it like every single day I have to think about death as part of my religion as you get older you'll think about it even, even more, more. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. it on um, on each and every Muslim to spread the word of Islam not every single Muslim at least if some of them are doing it it doesn't have to be everyone okay do you feel that Perhaps sometimes it's pushed a little hard. Yes. 
I think so. I, I think some people can become like sales. It's like I used That's to work. Refreshing in, I used to, work to in hear sales. that actually. Yeah, it's the same I used with to, my, any religion really. Like people in LA <laughs> were screaming about Christ and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. I, I, do you know? I used to I used to be in sales, uh, financial mm. products and stuff like that back in the days. Myself. The oversell of any product is it too much. It doesn't look good. It doesn't no. feel good. And, and the person on the other side feels like there's desperation. And the yeah. moment people feel there's desperation, it's like they feel like you're overcompensating for something. I think. But Islam is a thing that sells, like I said, it sells itself. I mean, it's, it's not going to benefit me in any way if anyone becomes Muslim, mm -hmm. except for the spiritual reward. But there's no material reward. How does it make in. you feel when someone does? I feel good. I feel good. I feel like this, is, this person now is going to have a new life and is going to have a structured life. Because you're talking about what's the incentive of, for example, one of the questions you asked was, that why, what's the incentive of getting involved with something which has a rule system? Is I think it actually promotes a tranquil state a predictable, tranquil state that a human being will have. I think it does promote that. What uh, would you say to someone that, that says religion is all about control of the population? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because why would you want uh, a lack of the, uh, control? Yeah. If you have a business, or, I mean, for example, you have a business, you have all these employees and say, well, you, the laws and stipulations you put in place is to control the employees. So yeah, that's exactly right. That's why would you want not to control them? What would you want to have? A state of anarchy? Or state yeah, of, I, I guess as a business owner, you would want to be in control, yeah. but you, I, most people don't like the feeling of being controlled. Yeah, exactly. The Quran states that. It's the, the, human you're absolutely right. the human disposition is transgressive. They don't like authority. That's why we would say, don't give your authority. I mean, the Islamic message is as follows. Is don't give your authority to human beings. Give it to God, because he's the only one deserving of it. He's the all-knowing one. He's the all-powerful one. The Prophet said, that there is no obedience to the creation in the disobedience to the creator. So the ultimate legislator is God. He's the only one that actually deserves that level of obedience. There's no human being that deserves that level of obedience. Of course, in Islam, we do believe in obedience. We believe the wife should be obedient to the husband, which is a very controversial thing to say in England. Or, and, and that the children should be obedient to the parents. Obviously, within limits, within limits. We believe in like, you know, the parents are, you know, the parent, parental rights, husband's rights, wife rights, all that stuff. However, is all it, of is it- Is it their choice to be obedient though? Yes, everything's yeah. a choice. Okay, so that makes it slightly different. They're, they're choosing yeah. to give the, uh, the husband control to, in their best interest. Yeah, it's everything is a choice. No one can force anyone to do anything and or manipulate them in a, in a manner which is corrosive. And to be honest with you, it's just a managerial hierarchy. I mean, uh, within the household. The husband has the final word. It's as simple as that. Because otherwise, what, who's going to have the final word? We're going to have a. Consider the following: If you have two people, 50-50, and there's a decision to we be. We say this all the time, but yeah, go. <laughs> you have a decision to be made. Who's? I mean, how are we going to resolve the issue? It's like having two steering wheels to a, mm. a car. Mm. There's going to be chaos and it's going to be problem problematic. That's why even in the UK, you have first past the post system in voting and elections. Yes to make sure there's a winner. Mm. But okay, you're, sac you're sacrificing the democracy by doing that because the most dem democratic thing is proportional representation. But they say, we don't care, we need stability. Yeah, no decision will get made. Exactly, so no, st we, we need stability in, in government. We also need stability in households, that's what we would say. Where did this journey start for you to share your message online like you do? Do you mean, to be honest with you, it came quite naturally. I went to Speaker's Corner, which is a place <laughs> I said, you in know, London. Yeah, I just started speaking with people and then cameras started to come out and then, you know, it got, it got interesting. And then we started doing more and more formal debates. But to be honest with you, I always had the idea that I'm gonna be discussing these things with people on an academic level, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, you know? And so, yeah, I, I, just, I just like, I enjoy talking about purpose of life because I feel like the thing which will give human being the most grounding and happiness is purpose. It's not anything else. Not to belittle anything else because all these other things are important. I believe in money, I believe in it. 
I believe that you need to have money. Even Islam promotes that. You know, isn't there a whole thing against um, like taking out debt, borrowing? Yeah, and borrowing. Not borrowing. It's interest. Mm. Okay, so yeah. so if you were to you know, buy a buy to let house, yeah. and and you pay interest on that, and you have yeah. a mortgage, yeah. What, how could you go you about call having it some something kind of business? Else, don't you? Not interest. Yeah, yeah. What they do, they have the, 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 the Islamic sector. They have this couple of banks here in the United Kingdom, like one called Ryan Bank and others that offer mortgages which are Islamic, which are much higher than the, you know, uh, banks, the normal banks, retail banks, and so on. Uh, but they they've got a very unique structure where they've got it's called the Akadin for Akt, where they've got two contracts for one. So they give you, they say, look, you're, you're going to buy the house and then you're going to rent the house that you're buying. But if you add both of these payments together, it's more than a traditional mortgage. Do you see what I mean? So, the, what they're well, trying so to so you buy the house outright without a mortgage, or you yeah, yeah. Without, okay. So no, what it is is that you, you're forced to pay rent on it. So you've you've got two contracts that you're forced to be in. Right. One of them is a contract of rent, and one of them is a contract of purchase. And both of them together, if you were to get a mortgage from a bank, it would be less. So isn't that just an unfavorable cheat yes, code? Yes, that's right. That's what they're trying to do. I mean, that's what the the criticism of it is. Mm. But the idea is in Islam, is that the interest is not allowed. But surely that means though that the the bank that you're going to get this from, yeah. they're making more money off it. So you can't take interest out, but then like your own. People, but you're allowed to make money. Uh, you're just not. Allowed yeah, to pay yeah, interest. but it's still sort of unethical though to be skimming off the top so much of people that are supposed to be your brothers. No. Yeah, just because yeah. of a, a technicality in yeah, the religion. Is, yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what the, that's what the, nature that's what that. some I mean Muslim scholars and others they, they say that exactly what you've said. They say this is nonsense. I mean you're just changing. So the that's one thing that maybe you'd like to change in the Quran if you could. No, that's not the Quran. It's uh, this is just uh, people that are creating financial products in the name of Islam. Because what they're trying to avoid is interest. Because one thing in Islam which is not allowed clearly is interest. It's not allowed to give it or receive it. So to give interest or receive interest is prohibited. It's actually one of the major sins of Islam. Right. Um, you so, can do so could you have a credit card and not pay interest at the end of the month? Because you don't necess- if you pay it on time, you don't pay interest. That's a very technical question. I'll be honest, you'll find different responses by Muslim scholars. Some would allow it, some wouldn't. Majority actually wouldn't allow that. Right, okay. They say any contract which has an in- even like a, a late payment fee or something like that would be unacceptable. Because it's... The idea is that your interest is the idea of getting something for nothing. So they say that this is an exploitative thing at, in its core, therefore we, we don't accept it. Islam, though, is a free market religion. It is a free market religion. So, it's a, I mean, you, you might have heard of Adam Smith's invisible hand. You know, Adam mm-hmm. Smith is one of, if not the biggest, you know, contributor to the Western economic system. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book called The Wealth of Nations. Okay, And he talked about the invisible hand of the economy. He's the one who, who really talked about specialization, compar- the law of comparative advantage, which Ricardo took and made it a bigger deal, and demand and supply, which the whole of business is based on mm. demand and supply. I mean, it, how a price goes up and down is based on those two factors, yeah. demand and supply. And Islam, uh, the Prophet went into a, a marketplace at one point, and he saw people, and they were saying, can you set the prices because this is unfavorable to us. This businessman here is trying to take our money. He said, no. He said, because God is the al-musa'ir, he's the one who sets the price. In other words, leave the market to do its thing. Because the most efficient thing for a market to do is to do its own thing. And then there were treatises that were written by Muslim scholars aforetime, like al-Jahid and Ibn Khaldun. He actually wrote a very detailed um, demand and supply uh, economic treatise. So in terms of, we believe in free market economics, we believe in business. In fact, there's a verse in the Quran that says, وَجَعَلْنَا بَعْضَكُمْ 
That we've made some of you above others so that some of you can take others as employ as employees, as employees. So we, this this idea of like for example the Marxist or communist idea that everyone should get the same money or that the government should ha own the means of production is actually anti-Islamic. So do they be believe that they're born above others or that is something that comes from nurture? No, we believe that God gives human beings blessing so if yeah. consider, the ability to get there yeah he gives the human being the ability to get there he gives <laughs> his he, he endows human being with blessings so everyone has that blessing and then it, it's whoever takes action on Does it that or so go against free will though because if way, they're yeah. born with that blessing then they don't have the free will to make their own decisions to become the guy no because god actually created a human being with the advantage or the ability to make those decisions so for example everyone has an opportunity to do business okay but not some, every, are more some, some are more advantaged than privileged than others. Like we are way more advantaged mm -hmm. than privileged than some people in sub-Saharan Africa mm -hmm. or some people in other places in the world. It's very true, right? However, that disadvantage, we would say, is something that is part of the test of God. That God has put, and it's a test. It's not just, like for example, the Quran says, fitna, That your wealth and your monies is not just a blessing, it's also a trial. Having money is a test. Because now you have to know how to spend it. Now you're going to be responsible for that. Now you are more responsible than someone who doesn't have it. Because if now you you have a more you have more of a responsible a social responsibility. I'm not saying you should be forced to do anything. Although Islam has something called zakat, which is that 2.5 percent of the wealth of the individual must be taken as charity. But apart from that, it's the impetus on the human being with wealth to give it out and to be charitable and to save people's lives and to see this kind of thing. So that is a test. If someone fails that test from the Islamic perspective, then they are more responsible than a, a pauper or a poor person or an indisenfranchised individual who uh, doesn't have that test to begin with. So I've gone to Audi before and I've financed a car yeah. from what I perceive to be a Muslim employee. Mm -mm. Is he sinning? Is it interesting? Of course. Yeah, yeah, then yes, he is. And what's your opinion on that? Well, he, he's sinning by selling the, the contract with interest yeah. on it. Yeah, he is, yeah. According right, to the majority, okay. if not okay. all, all the scholars would say he's, he's sinning, yes. So okay. what would his parents think about that? What do you think about that? And do you ever sin? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen all the time. I mean, the thing is... <laughs> <laughs> he's a serial sinner. There's one for the old TikTok. No, no, the thing is, I mean, Islam is... The Prophet told us in a hadith, right? In a hadith means a prophetic saying, something that the Prophet said, a word of wisdom that he said. Every human being is a sinner and the best of the sinners are the ones who repent. So being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from being a Muslim. You can do the most heinous sins. You can kill somebody. I mean, obviously we consider that to be one of the most heinous sins, mm. but still be a Muslim. We consider homosexuality to be a sin, for example. But if someone were to practice it, they wouldn't disqualify them from being a Muslim, for example. Mm. You can do anything. I mean, pr pretty much anything except for one thing, which is to declare that there's not one God worthy of worship and Muhammad is the prophet. If you were, it's called kufr and shirk, these two things, which is to associate partners with God or to reject the religion. These are the only two things that can actually take you out of Islam. Apart from that, whatever sins anybody has incurred, we believe that it can be forgiven. Can somebody still revert if they say that before? So if I was to say right now, there is no God, absolutely no way, I do not believe it and I never will, but then next week I want to revert, yeah, 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 I can. Of course, yeah, of course. So it's only if I am already a Muslim, I can't say that. If you're already a Muslim and you and you say that you know there's no God, then you leave Islam basically. But then can I come back? You can come back, but some scholars are staunch to say you, you can't play a game with the religion. Keep coming in and out, keep in and out. But some God will know what he really means. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, effectively you can, but but as I say, if if it's a game that you're playing, then 
some scholars would be staunch about that. So I think, I think, I think what I've decided that what I believe is I don't really think about a God and I don't really know too much about it, but I do believe that everything is too perfect mm. to not be something. Like the fact that ev- you mentioned the flies and just the way that everything works in the way it does. Mm. It's too perfect. Yeah, but I just think we wouldn't be sat here having this conversation if it wasn't so perfect. Yeah, and that's of what course, that's that's, Richard, that's Dawkins, Richard Dawkins has this thing called the anthropic principle, mm-hmm. right? And there's two. There's one called the weak anthropic principle and one that's called the strong anthropic principle. And he uses a very famous example. He says, look, imagine uh, if somebody came and, and, you know, and you were at a wall and someone was shooting you at a wall, right? And all the bullets like went next to your body. No, no one bullet came to your body. And so how do you explain that? And Richard Dawkins says, well, well, you know, the weak anthropic principle, well, he wouldn't be alive to talk about it mm. if that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the argument. But, but where's the argument is the question. So how do you explain the fact that no bullet touched his body? That's what we're it's asking. Randomness. <laughs> no, that's the, yeah. So then, yeah. then we revert back to oh, it's chance randomness. But the, the problem with the weak anthropic or the strong anthropic principle, both of those, is that it doesn't actually have any explanatory scope. It doesn't explain mm-hmm. anything. So I'm asking, how is it that, for example, if you were to walk, if I was some, here, some people came in, some bad people, and they started shooting us at this wall, and all the bullets came next to our, you know, body. Like there was literally a bullet for every inch next to my body, and there was no bullet on my body. I ask, how did that happen? They've got a shit shot. <laughs> yeah, but it would or be a very good one. Very good Whatever. But these explanations. Yeah. These are so now we've gone into explanations. That's no, no longer. Ex- what, what the anthropic principle he was is a stormtrooper because they can never hit anything yeah that's true <laughs> these are all good explanations they're fine explanations but the anthropic principle is just saying well if he didn't you know if he if he survived it it's indication that uh it happened so it must be the case mm. but that's not an explanation do you see what i mean yeah so what, how the anthropic principle is being attacked or has been attacked academically is that it doesn't actually provide an explanation for anything so you're so, worried about the the next generation of young men i think look i mentioned this guy called ibn khaldun uh recently in the beginning of the podcast he's, he's, he's a economist or sociologist but he's one of the best of the islamic world right and he had a theory one of his one of his main theories is that civilization goes through stages I think they've put that into the kind of business world a little bit as well, which is that the first generation is the most eager and the most effective and they've got the most motivation and the most efficient. Mm. The second generation is still quite good because the father is teaching the son, all this, the, the culture is still there. The third generation becomes weak. And by the fourth or fifth generation, it becomes completely like degenerate or weak and they rely too much on their power and their perceived you know, a uh, sense of stability, which is not actually there anymore because there's other competitors that want to take this, take these guys out basically because they, they've had enough. So does I that think, cause the world to become weak and then strong men to rise again from that? I think what it does is it destroys civilizations. Mm. And most people, most people who have commented on this, like there's been books written, The Rise and Fall of Great Empire, um, Toynbee has spoken, Arnold, Arnold J. Toynbee, others have spoken about this. I think Yani, the Western civilization has only been 30 years after the Cold War that's been around. Its degeneration has been exponential. Like for its time span, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, actually. And I think considering the fact that it has this much military power and spending and has actually quite good economic strength, it shouldn't be pound for pound where it's at right now. Like if you consider the Roman Empire, it was around for like it was a it was around for like thousands of years, you know, because they had the culture of sorry to say, masculinity and army and military and these kind of things. Now, I was recently watching an, uh, an army video of America, United States of America, and they juxtaposed it with the Russian one. 
And the, the, the way the American one was like, you know, there's a woman that she was lesbian, something like that. She was like, I wanted to, all, all my life, I wanted to be part of the army, you know, and I don't know, she's part of the LGBT and you see the flag in the background and it was like, okay. And then you, and then you saw the Russian one and these guys were jumping up and down and shooting and it was all masculinity and stuff. And then you think to yourself, you, you know. Then you look at the UK that the USA have just said that our army's a joke. So yeah, yeah just, I mean, just come out with that. It's, it's, Ours is even worse. It's, it's the same idea. But yeah. what, what, what we're doing is I think that the Western civilization is most likely to be defeated from within by itself, mm. these ideologies. Like China is not a great threat to the military, I don't think. Economically, it's a great threat, but I don't think it's a great threat to the military of the West. I think the greatest threat to the power of the West is the West itself. And this kind of ideology in, in itself, in a way, is eating within the civilizational structure because every civilization needs strong men. Warriors, it needs warriors. This, consider how America started through, <laughs> consider the British Empire. Yeah. It, we wouldn't be where we're at if it wasn't for warriors. But you see what's happening in Ukraine, right? I mean, no one's talking about these things there. The women are going and the men are fighting. And mm. it's like fem whenever there's war, feminism becomes irrelevant yeah. almost instantly because we need to get things done now. Forget about these dreams and myths that we have imaginary friends that we have and all that kind of nonsense, sorry mm. to say. So does now all this stuff start happening because we haven't had a major war in the UK or in the USA, for example, and they've got nothing else to bicker about? I think that the, the main idea is that when prosperity becomes, when you become prosperous, you have free time. When you have free time and you're no longer under threat and, so, and survival, survivability is not the key, it's not the order of the day, then you become weak as an individual. Mm. Nowadays, like we don't have the killer instinct as we used to because we haven't had to fight as we had to in the past. We don't need to do that stuff. But have we needed people to thrive in other areas though, which has been done such as economic growth? And yeah. you know, people aren't doing war, but they're building businesses like Amazon that have somewhat changed the world. You know, things it's, are pretty yeah. easy now. I think that's probably where the advantage is at the moment. But then you've got some of the tiger economies and like Japan and stuff that are starting to really catch up, to be honest with you. Mm. But that's where the advantage is. And, and China is catching up economically. Like mm. GDP is catching yeah. up because of the sheer population sizes. Militarily, Russia's, you know, and China together. It's it's not looking good for the West, actually. Do you think the West is doomed then? Or can we recover this? You know, the West has always had a good uh, track record of recovery. Mm. Even Amr ibn al-As, one of the commanders of the Muslim army that were fighting the Roman Empire, he was praising the West and said one of the greatest attributes of Western people or Roman people at the time, right, was the fact that after they get defeated, they're able to get back on their feet pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think there is there is a culture of that. And I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I I do think right now what we're seeing in Western civilization is a decay. It's, it's kind of like a degeneration. I do think so. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most clear contributing factors is um, this uh, ideology that's being promoted in in recent times, and the and the failure of the masculine project in the West. We saw that very clearly when we um, visited Dubai recently. Mm. The the difference is just crazy. Even compared to the USA and here, it was so tidy, wasn't it? Mm. Everyone was respectful. Mm. On that note, have you ever thought about moving to Dubai? Yeah, I mean, everyone's asking me about that. I, I think Dubai is, in, in many ways, is it's pretty Western place, you know. Mm. I think it's a Western, uh, people talk about Dubai, I think it's comparable with New York and Los uh, Angeles and these kind of places, you know. Um, me personally, I wouldn't go and live there. Why? Because I'd like to be rough and I like to be in rough places. I still live in an area which is considered to be rough, 
Do you like the fear of knowing that you could I, get stabbed? No, not just stabbed. I just, I, I, I don't want to be too relaxed. They say boxers always perform better when they're in the worst gym and when they get all the money and then they're yeah. in the nice gyms with all the comforts, they don't perform as He's well. He's firing shots at me for going to a country <laughs> club. <right now. laughs> yeah. What, what is sure. is that, like for all of the Prophet Muhammad, he had the economic um, kind of the income coming in through war booty and money and all this kind of stuff. But he didn't necessarily live a very lavish lifestyle. And the reason why is because just keep yourself rough and ready. Keep yourself rough and ready. There's actually a hadith on this, um, or a saying, is head fit dunya, yuhibbuka and nas. That actually leave off the world a little bit and people will love you. Because the thing is, when you start to get more and more money, people become much more envious. People become leeches. You get two kinds of individuals, leeches and snakes. Okay? <laughs> so if you don't know who to trust, you know, and these kind of things. And resentment, especially if you've come from a certain background and then you've just made it now. It's like, why him, not me, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, so. Keeping yourself rough and ready, I think, is very important. Uh, and so in terms of Dubai, it, I think when I go there, just for even a couple of days, I feel a bit like too relaxed oh, there. Yeah. Feel too relaxed there. <laughs> it was yeah. nice though. <laughs> yeah, it's nice God, it for a holiday, nice. but it's too relaxing. It's too, I need to be rough. I need to see something. I need to, do you know what I mean? Yeah, one of the things I love about Islam is the sticking to your word part. Like, so you wouldn't lie to someone or if you had a contract with someone, yeah, that's right, yeah. you'd, you'd stick to that. And I think it's a good idea because if you're making a contract with someone that is, isn't a Muslim, that's right, yeah. then you're, otherwise you're pushing them away, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. There's a clear uh, you know, statement of the Prophet that Muslims are upon their conditions. Mm. So you ha if you stick, if you, you know, there's a verse in the Quran, Ya Oh, you who believe, fulfill your contracts. Mm. As, if you didn't have that, then you, you wouldn't have business. You couldn't have business. You couldn't do business deals with anyone because no one will trust you. Right, and really, the word of a man is is the most important thing that he has he's got, you know. So, have you come across many snakes in? Oh yeah, in that world. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day, every day. Every so day. you're a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see a lot of snakes and I see a lot of uh, leeches, and uh, like I say, it's you knowing how to deal with them. And I think people like you guys like probably know how to deal with them pretty well mm. because you have to deal with them pretty often as well. Like people that just want to be your friend so that they can get monetary benefits, for example. Uh, it reminds me of a film called Coming to America. Have you seen? Yeah. It's with Eddie Murphy, and he, yeah. he pretended to be like, you know, working in McDonald's or something like that. And he's a prince from the Yeah, yeah, he's a prince. He's got, yeah, yeah, from, from Africa, from, I don't know what country it was, but yeah, yeah he came down, and it's, sometimes you just want genuine relationships, you know, loyalty, because for us, look, the thing that's going to give human being real happiness in According to a study that was done by Harvard, actually, it was a longitudinal study done from the 1970s to 90, I think 1990s, is human relationships. So the number one thing that was the, the thing that, um, that predicted happy people, content people, was relationships. Your relationship with your family, relationship with your friends, your relation, we would add relationship with God. That's the number one thing. And so we want authentic relationships. We don't want relationships which are inauthentic. And... So obviously Islam has this idea of brotherhood, sisterhood, camaraderie, uh, unity, family. These things are the most important things like, you know, faith and family, basically. So you make me feel quite lucky because I would say that everyone I have in my life was there before I had a pot to piss in, apart from people really? that I meet business wise. But I think obviously that's a little bit different and things are mutually beneficial. So I think that I worry less about that than people outside of business. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, that makes me feel... That's Lovely. good. Yeah, you should because it's that that is but look if if put it this way, this is gonna sound quite cliche, right? 
But if someone said to you, look, you're going to lose your eyesight, but you have to give all of your money, all of your wealth that you've amassed, or you have to you give that money to save your eyesight. I think we would do, we would give it because eyesight is very important. Same thing with family. Bring any family member that you're close with and say, look, this person is going to be terminally ill if you don't give all of your funds to save their life. You'd give all your funds. And that shows you the extent to which you value those things. The mm. things which are literally like, you know, they don't actually have a monetary tag attached to them. But we value them so much. And family, children, a wife, kids, all that stuff is very important. And it's not being emphasized. And that's what we're seeing with the liberal ideology, the left-wing ideology. They want to break that down. Because if you don't have mother, father, son, daughter, if you can't say these, even these words, if these words become controversial to say, then you've broken down the most important thing that makes a human being happy. What is your opinion on divorce? Because if I understand correctly, you, your mum was a single parent. That's right. Yeah, which yeah. is not so common in your religion i guess yeah i mean it's not a good it's not a good thing but it's allowed in our religion. like in catholicism you're not allowed to get divorced mm. right in judaism in orthodox judaism a woman has to go and get something called a get and the man has to grant it for her but in islam a man or a woman can get divorced because at the end of the day if you're not happy with who you're with you cannot be forced to be in a relationship like this do you know what i mean obviously you try and make it work your best if you have children because you don't want to put them in a disadvantageous position and there's a very good book written recently called The Boy Crisis by Warhol Farron, where he talks about the disadvantage of being in a single parent household. And there are so many disadvantages. You're mm. more prone to delinquency, to mm. criminality, to educational uh, deficiencies and so on. There's, there's literally like a ton of data on that, on that point. However, I mean, what I think of it is as something which is negative, but allowable. And if human beings find themselves in a position where they cannot live you have to weigh up. I mean, my mom, as you say, she, she was a single mother and I was still able to kind of get through life and stuff like that, go to university and do all the stuff that people want to do in society. But not everyone is that lucky and not everyone is that blessed. Do you, you know? think divorce has become too common though? Because it seems like people get married and it lasts like eight years and then they're out and they don't value because maybe they're not Christian and they just get married anyway and they don't value that um, relationship with God or anything like that. I think so. I think the reason why is because first and foremost, there's so much disincentive to get married in the first place now. Mm. Like this idea that, for example, if you're married to somebody then they can get 50% of your whatever it is in, in America, certainly like that. in the UK, it can be like that sometimes. You can get 50% of your assets mm. if, if you get divorced. This is something un-Islamic, like you would never accept this. For example, like how, how could it be that, for example, 50% of my earnings go into a person who has not contributed to the business in that way? So if, if you got divorced uh, as a, um, a Muslim, yes, would you retain your wealth then? Yes, of course. I mean, oh, really? 100%. Yeah, there's, there's no such thing as I'll, I'll give my wife or my husband half of this is nonsense. Yes. Oh, well, I mean, think about it. I mean, what is what is the logic? This makes no sense uh, economically or otherwise. You know, I mean, how could it be? How, so is basis? it not a legal marriage then? Is it uh, marriage within your religion? Do you sign all the legal paperwork? Because what if um, the ex-wife was to take you to court and then use the legal system to get half? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me personally, right, I've, I got married by the law, right? Mm. Uh, however, I'll say this is that, as Robert Greene says in his you know, famous book, he says that the one who's willing to commit suicide has the initiative. Right. For me personally, I don't care. If, like, my wife is, uh, me and my wife have children together. So if she takes my money, I don't care in a sense. I'll say like, whatever, you know, take it. Because I don't care. Like, in a sense, I'm willing to forego the money. 
But also, she's I mean? probably helped you make it yeah, and yeah. supported like, I, you while you make yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, so she does from, play that, from that perspective, I don't care. Like, do you know what I mean? But I'm saying from the Islamic perspective, you don't even need to sign the legal paperwork. It's a very, very, it's a three minute process to get married. You can get married very, very quickly. All you need to do is have two witnesses to give a dowry or a small gift to the mm. lady. And then Ijab of Kabul, or she, she agrees, consent. And probably this is a good thing to, and obviously her father knows what's going on and so on. This is a good thing to happen in the day and age we live in now. How does that, well, it's a stupid question, but you know, like if you go and get car insurance or something, it says, are you single, married, this or that? So if you are like, you're, are you saying that you can deem yourself married through religion, but technically you're not legally married? So what exactly. do you tick in that box when you get in your car insurance? Well, I think they're talking about legalities there. Mm. So we do whatever would get you the best rates. So do most Muslims get legally married or not in the UK? I, I, I don't know. That's a very good question. I think it's, it's a close one. A lot of them do. A lot of them don't. I, it's probably 50 And if 50. they were legally married, right, and the, the ex-wife took the, the man to court and took half of what he, or tried to take half of what he had, would that be allowed by the religion or would the religion step in? The religion doesn't allow it? this. And, and, uh, but the, the woman would not care. Some women would not care about what the religion has mm. to say at that. Especially if her husband's a high net uh, guy. Mm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So the, the point is, is, obviously the best way to safeguard oneself is not to get married legally. If someone's really, no, has achieved a lot and they don't want to. Or they can put, the, like what Hakimi done, the Moroccan football player right. who plays for PSG. He put everything in his mum's name. Yeah, he, yeah, he finessed it yeah, big yeah, time. Yeah, that was crazy. That's, that's, he that's killed it. Yeah. Or you can get like tangible assets and stuff like that, gold bars or something. And then uh, if anything, you know, anything hide happens, them. hide yeah. them. You'll put them somewhere, you know. And there's what, what ways to get around the system. You guys probably know more than I do. I mean, I should be asking, I should be asking you guys. <laughs> We're just avoiding getting married, aren't we, at the moment? Mm. Dad's already done it. I'm there. <laughs> Would you allow your children to go to school to learn about other religions? Yeah, they, they do. I mean, I teach them about Christianity myself, about yeah. Judaism. I try and be fair. I, I, honestly, I try and be fair. I say, this is what they believe. I think that's great because yeah. that's what I believe. I, I, I actually believe religious education should be promoted more within schools. Um, not like a Christian school, you're going to learn Christian, that's what you're going to do today. Mm -hmm. I think you should learn about all religions and become tolerant but of everyone. why is it yeah, so boring at school? Because this is Because boring, they make it boring. But at school, God, it's like, oh, I got RE today. Oh, no. Yeah, because generally RE was about, well, certainly for me, if I talk about what I learned, was about the Bible, and I'd already probably studied a fair bit of it or, or spoken about a bit of it, and it was pretty boring. But if I was taught about other, mm. you know, cultures and other, religions mm. I would actually have found that interesting I don't know if that's done now or not I should look into I it I think we, we learn I learn about different religions mm. I see I don't even remember but, but. What, what, what if your kids <laughs> did you go to school sorry <laughs> you went yeah. briefly I went for a bit <laughs> what if your kids did turn out like they, they said look I want to be a Christian and yeah. this is what I believe in but you know according to what you believe they would be going to hell what would you do I can't do anything I mean if they what if they are of age yeah. Like now they're, they're pubescent and they're so I've looked at all the religions. I agree with Christi Christianity. I'd debate them. <laughs> I'd keep debating them. I would, I, that's every what I would day? Do. Yeah, yeah. No, not every day. I yeah. mean, I would debate them from time to time. That's what I would do. I, well, I can't force somebody because the Quran is very clear about this. You know, you cannot force somebody to be 
you know, less ta'alayhim bi jabbar. You cannot force somebody. I mean, what am I going to hold their neck and say, you know, you have to be a Muslim? Mm. Or, no, it's not like that. I would, effectively, I'd debate them. I'd it's debate. like them supporting a different football team, isn't it? Yeah, no, much more you severe know. than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you are not supporting that football team. It's much more severe than that. But yeah, no, yeah I know. I'm that, joking. That's, that's what it would be, though. <laughs> it would be a matter of, yeah. I would make it my life's mission. To, yeah. So, you'd, you'd keep saying, come on. Come yeah. up the arsenal. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if um, someone grew up in a different culture and they, they were a Christian, they never heard about um, Islam and they just went to hell because they never uh, never knew about the alternatives? Yeah, so we don't believe that can happen in the sense that if someone dies a Christian and they didn't hear the, alter the alternative, we wouldn't say it would be... In fact, there's a verse in the Quran that says that these people... Were, you could, we are not going to punish the people until they heard the message or they, they got a messenger. Okay. So until someone becomes accountable at the point where they've heard, okay, there's another religion here which talks about one God and this is the purpose of life, that's when they become accountable. Before that, if they died not knowing that stuff, they can die an atheist. We wouldn't say they would go to hellfire for that because okay. that would be unfair. And we talked about um, life somewhere else in the universe yeah. earlier on. Do you think that Islam would be present in those civilizations in the same way it is here? Would it have that been traced? Be I don't way? know. That's a push, isn't it? <laughs> that is a push. If, if it is the, well, the one true religion, yeah. then surely it's the should one creator. Yeah, so be what, what we way. say is that Islam has always taken different form. Right. So that we believe the final messenger is Prophet Muhammad, right? He's the final messenger. But before, before Muhammad, Muhammad, we believe that there were other messengers, like Jesus was the messenger, or Abraham was the messenger. If it's in another place or another time, maybe some other human being or another life form would be the messenger. You know what I mean? So it's it wouldn't take the exact same form. Maybe they're not praying the way we're praying. Maybe they're praying in a different alien praying by jumping up and down or something like that. So why could Christianity not be just another form of Islam? We believe that it's remember Christianity came before Islam. So mm -hmm. in a sense, we believe that what happened with Christianity is effectively it was distorted. That's okay. the view. That the 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 Bible was changed. Mm. It was changed, and then the the gospel, or say the got sorry the doctrines of the Trinity was inserted, and there is a clear historical development of the Trinity. For example, if you look at the Council of Nicaea 325, and then the Council of Constantinople 381, you see that the the Holy Spirit wasn't a co-equal, co-eternal God until mm. 381. So how could it be that He was Lord in 325 and God co-equal, co-eternal? So what happened, you know, in that time? There was a development of the doctrine of the Trinity, for example. We would say that that was because, a lot of historians would agree, the reason that that happened is because they had to placate the people in the Roman Empire. Because remember, these guys were pagans. Mm. They believed in Zeus and Hercules and those that we're talking about, right? And there's actually one guy, he's a church father called Justin Martyr. He said, just like you guys believe in Jupiter, in his book, he said, you believe in Jupiter as the sun. And, and had, we also have a son, father-son uh, godhead, you know, mm. the father, the son, the Holy Spirit. Because if you consider mythology, Mithraism, Horus, and Isis—not that, not the terrorist group, the mm. gods—it's always father-son relationship in that Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's no coincidence we would say that the Trinity took the form, the pagan form that was there in the Roman Empire already. It took the same form, and it was—that's what the well, because they says. were familiar with it, then it took that form. Yeah, because to attract them. What happened is that in in th in about three thirteen. Constantine became uh, a Christian and he constituted Christianity as the religion of the Roman Empire. 
Now he's spreading a new religion in the Roman Empire. That's how Christianity spread in the first instance. Okay, fine. So when he became Christian, he started seeing that these guys are pagans. These guys are polytheists. These guys believe in Hercules and Zeus. These guys believe in Mithra. These guys whatever. So how are we going to get them all to agree on the same religion? So we'll do a bit of give and take. We'll do a business deal. Do you know what I'm trying to say? We'll have some of your rituals and then Christianity developed that way. That's why you'll find that the Bible doesn't actually speak about the Trinity in the same way as that people do, the Christians do. So there was a development of Christianity which made Jesus God, the, the, uh, fully divine, the Holy Spirit fully divine, co-equal, co-eternal. That thing was developed. So we say that since there was corruption effectively of Christianity, Islam came to purify that and bring it back to what it originally was when Jesus was there. Because when Jesus came, we believe Jesus told people to worship God. It's in the it's in the Bible even. Mm. I by the finger of God cast out devils. I by uh, the spirit of God cast. I by my own self can do nothing. Jesus says, I by my own self can do nothing. The Father is greater than I. It says in the Bible. Right. So we say that when Jesus was there, he was telling people to worship one God. He wasn't he wasn't calling people to himself. We don't believe that. In fact, in in, in the Gospel of John, I think it's in chapter ten, verse thirty. Right. Some people came and they, some Jews said that, you know, you, Jesus, uh, are you, you're committing blasphemy. Yani, you're committing blasphemy. So he said, I'm not committing blasphemy. And he exonerated himself. He said, you call yourself God. He says, did it not, was it not mentioned in your gospels that uh, they are gods? In other words, whenever we use this term God, it's used figuratively and metaphorically. I'm not calling myself God in that ultimate sense. The Jews at that time didn't kill him. If he was really claiming to be a god as Christianity claims to be, say, then they should have killed him because Jews wouldn't accept this behavior. Mm -hmm. Jews would say there's only one god. How could this man here is blasphemy to claim to be god? They didn't kill him. So the idea is that we believe that Christianity was changed to insert this doctrine of the divinity of Jesus and the divinity of the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal. This thing was changed in the Roman period where there was a synthesis and a blend of different polytheistic religions and Islam came to bring Christianity to what it originally was that's the narrative so building on that how was it debating Jordan Peterson I was okay <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Peterson I had two engagements with him you know and uh, to be honest with you I feel like he's got a lot to offer in psychology he's got even got a lot to offer in other fields but I, it was good that he came in a way that to, to ask questions and do this kind of things I I feel like he's branching out a bit too much now in the sense that he's having strong opinions in areas where it's not his specialism and expertise. And that can be a very dangerous thing to do. You can, you have to kind of be tentative with this kind of thing. You have to be cautious. And I do think that he's not the same man that he used to be because of whatever reason it was. How so? How do you think he's changed? I think it's changed because I, he's, I think there's a mental difference. Hmm. Like his disposition is different. What I found fascinating about that discussion, the second one that I had with him in the mosque, which now got like 5 million views or something on his channel. And I think it's the most commented on video on his channel. Like I think it has so much engagement, right? Um, that particular thing was, I said to him something quite interesting about what the Quran proposes, that if you believe in one God, that you will be tranquil and you'll be content and so on. He said, yeah, this is the case. Because otherwise, anxiety comes when your focus is multiplicitous. I found that very interesting. There's, if you believe in more than one thing, is you, your focus becomes multiplicitous and that creates a sense of anxiety. And I think that was a key moment in the discussion I had with him because him from a psychological perspective is almost affirming the fact that having a solid um, belief in one God worthy of worship 
can put you in a tranquil and peaceful state. And that's what I think is, because one video of Jordan Peterson, which I found really interesting, which is not uh, as popular, but it's where he talks about happiness. And we find that happiness is mentioned in the, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the founding, the documents of the United States of America and so on. Pursuit of happiness. So the, and there's a film that was created called The F Pursuit of Happiness. With Will Smith. Mm. Yeah. By Will Smith. And happiness ain't the, the goal. Because, and he mentions this in the video, he says that if you're always in that elevated state, if you're always elevated state, it wouldn't actually be a healthy disposition to be in. So the question is then, what state should we be in uh, most often? The answer that Islam gives is that we should be in a tranquil state, in a content state, in a satisfied state. You're always content, you're always in peace. You can be happy from time to time, like you can have a bouts of euphoria and ecstasy and all that kind of stuff from time to time. But if that's always the case, then it's actually, it's like being manic, actually. If you're, if you're tranquil and uh, content, doesn't that go against the whole warrior mindset and being in, you know, living in the area of London that you do and making sure that you're pushing? all the time I, I think that the best warrior are the one who's learned to re relax because effectively the warrior is controlling his sympathetic nervous system the fight or flight response you've got the autonomic nervous system divided into parasy parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. the sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight is uh, is the um, adrenaline it's you know your, your pupils dilate your 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 palms become sweaty dopamine adrenaline is, uh, is secreted and so on the best fighters are the ones who can relax the best. Mm. Uh, they can they can calm themselves down in situations. They can think properly. You know what I mean. So I think that being calm is the best thing you can be. Being calm and tranquil in any situation is the best thing. That you can never go wrong with that. Yeah, because your brain shuts down, doesn't it? When you get all of this, um, you know, dopamine, adrenaline. Exactly. And you can't think clearly. Yeah, but if you can think clearly and you can calm yourself down in, in these situations and you're calm in general, you're not always anxious thinking about this or thinking about that. Because I think that nowadays people become very, very, we're living in the age of anxiety. We are living in the age of anxiety. And I think the reason why is because of lack of meaning, effectively. Lack of meaning, lack of purpose that a human being doesn't have. And so having one uh, purpose which is to worship one god we believe that that's going to bring someone into a state of calmness and, and peacefulness mm. or peace yeah do you have any questions for us i think i want to ask you guys because now before i go obviously a lot of in the muslim community people are getting into you know business and stuff like that and i've, I've been watching uh, a lot of mark's videos actually <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you uh because it's not i've never been i've been quite hippie like i've been like a hippie when it comes to money and stuff like that my there's a hadith of the Prophet where he says there's Taliban Talibu Mel or Talibu Ilm. There are two people that never become satiated. Someone who's a pursuer of money and someone who's a pursuer of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I've been quite a hippie with money, but now recently after I've had some incidents where my bank's been frozen many times, I think they wanted to see what's going on with it. Mm -hmm. They keep freezing my accounts and stuff like that, issues like that. In fact, when I went to see Andrew Tate on the day when I went to see him, they froze my account. No way. Yeah, yeah, honestly. yeah it's good. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, it happened. So um, I started to think about, I need to invest. I need to start doing the business But stuff. you can't earn interest. Yeah. That's, so that's the caveat here. What would you do now? Like, a lot of Muslim people, I know watch your content actually. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if you realize that. But when I mentioned to a couple of my friends that, you know, I'm going to be seeing this uh, individual called Mark T uh, Tilbury, right? And he's got this uh, channel on. So I say, yeah, of course we know who he is and stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, we would listen to his advice and all that kind of stuff. And so, obviously, with the caveat that we can't, we're not allowed to use interest. What mm. would you, 
what, what are your words of advice? Call it appreciation. Well, that, that, that's the difficult thing, isn't it? Because would you see um, being paid a dividend as being paid interest? No. Dividends is different. Well, that's okay. Then. Yeah, yeah. In which case, you're, that, that, that's a, a route to investment. Right. And obviously, if you look at um, an index fund that purely pays you dividends, mm -hmm. then that could be the way to, to go about it. I've not looked into it enough to be able to give you a, a firm response on that. Yeah. Obviously, you can invest in other businesses as well, mm. because um, if you're being paid from a business from their profits, that's not interest that's it, fine yeah that's good um yeah. but then obviously if you invest in that business that business can't invest uh, sorry can't borrow to help his expansion and pay interest no no but if they do that it's not our, it's none of our business oh really oh, really yeah if they oh, okay. what, what the business does is not our business so long as like for example if i were to invest in a share yeah in a in a in a, in a top business or in on the FTSE 100 or 250 whatever yeah it would be legitimate to do that Okay. Like I wouldn't have a problem, even, even if that business goes and does whatever borrowing it does. What kind of return are you looking to get though? Is I don't it know. like an 8% per year S&P 500 is, or the 8 more? I don't know. I, let's, Cause I saw a video of his where he, mm. I like the breakdown. You were, you were talking about what kind of risk appetite and if you go for a low risk appetite, for example, mm. you'd go for like gold, but it's yeah. safe. And then yeah. you went for the middle one, and then you went for the high one. Yeah. And the high one is like crypto. The, oh, you well, got the, crypto, yeah. yeah. The problem with gold is it's more a store of value. So, yeah. you know, if that's worth a hundred pounds in value this year, it's going to be worth a hundred pounds in value next year. Yeah. So you, you're not really going to grow your money that massively. It's mm -hmm. ultra safe. It's good ultra for, safe. it's like, it's good as a liquid. Like if, you, if you're holding blocks yeah. of gold, and if something happens to your bank account, you exactly. can just sell it. Watches as well. Buy a watch, yeah. 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 yeah, but the watches are going down. Like recently, Rolex has gone down, hasn't yeah, it? They've had a little bounce back. It, up. it, it, it depends yeah. on, um, on the models. And what, what, okay, because you're into watches, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm it? not as into it as, as Kai, but I have got a few pieces. Okay, so, so what, do you, what do you recommend? Um, well, recently I bought this one, AP Blueface, okay. and this has actually gone up by 12 grand since I bought really? it. And so, yeah, so that's been a very good investment, even though I bought it technically when the market, it was on the downtrend, but it has bounced back, like Dad mm. said. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just see it as a good way to invest and, and wear something and have it out and about obviously in safe areas. Yeah, yeah that's so what I'm saying, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go around uh, where you live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's but right. no, I do think it's it's definitely a good, fun investment, and it's something- Is it just AP that you've invested in? I've got a Rolex as well. Um, Which one have you gone for? I've gone for the Pepsi um, with a Jubilee The G strap. GMT, yeah? Yeah, so like Kai's there, he's got the Batman. That's gone down recently, hasn't it? I got it in the US though, <clears throat> so I got yeah. a good price in dollars. How so much did unhedged. you pay for it? $15,000, so that works out at about 12.4 grand at What's the time. A, what year is it, do you know? Uh, it's a 2018 or 19. So now that's going for like nine, right? No. Is it nine or 10? No, because you, you, you struggle to that, that's, that's, that. that's way but, less. But the thing is, we're is not it? looking to sell them for mm. a good 10 years. Yeah. I'm probably not yeah. going to sell mine. It's just there as a store of um, wealth. Uh, I, I uh, Nico uh, Leonard, I follow his guy who works at yeah, Private yeah, yeah. Opinion yesterday, mm -hmm. and they had one of these on a Jubilee bracelet, and they were selling it for fourteen five really? fifty. Selling, yeah, really. Yeah. They're not nine. Yeah, you, you probably can't even get it from the AD. Yeah, from really. You can AD is is probably about nine. seven. Yeah, maybe but, seven okay, or yeah, nine. Even I don't less. Know. They won't serve me, so but I don't know. If you built a relationship with an AD, mm -hmm. then you can go in and buy loads of pieces. Then you're printing, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you don't necessarily have to sell them, but you know that the value's there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make an instant if you profit. can get in an AD, you are printing money every really? time you really? buy. Yeah. But is, is it with every model? Because, like, for example, much. the date Justin and the day date, yeah. I think they don't really make that the, much. The day date, they will. get you in the door, if, though. If you yeah. go in and buy a day date, it will probably cost you about 30. It will be 40 the second you leave. Definitely. Are you sure? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not date just, but day dates. Day dates oh, yeah, are day one of the yeah. most desirable. They're if you go in well, there, date and just ask for a day is like a very cheap, like eight thousand yeah. something, right? A date just, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's like something entry like that. Level. That's the starter. Is it entry level? You said that this was entry yeah, level. Whatever. At the end of the day, you've got to enjoy your investments. <laughs> that I think that's important. And if yeah. you like buying watches because that's what you like, then yeah. that's great. I, I have a watch. It happens to be a Rolex. Is that GMT as well. You got Submariner. Submariner. Okay, okay. But I like that. That's the one I like. So that's the one I've got. But to me it's you know he likes it don't you you like watch mm. investments I, I, i'm just well okay i like wearing one but i'm not too bothered i'd rather have it in other areas so i think mm. to summarize just to wrap up what i was saying is i'm not an expert yeah sure, sure. Uh, i'm just an enthusiast but you tell a lot of people you're an expert but i find it hard to believe that you could go in an ad and not print money every time you buy one unless it is a date just or something two-tone or something like that but yeah, well, that you, that won't make you a, a return no you'll yeah. probably lose money lose money yeah yeah okay, okay. Um, they but, tried to sell you a two-tone didn't yeah, they I when you went in there yeah, to, um, well, but you could start the relationship with the ad was, by buying it was eleven and a half thousand pounds for literally the worst two-tone date just you've ever seen and i'm not making i'm not that rich that i'm going to start spending 10 grand on watches do, i don't even like do you know what's going up recently i think i, I might be wrong but tudor Mm. Tudor's starting to get like I think it's starting well, to compete. Rolex, isn't it? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it's starting to overtake Omega and stuff like that as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. The good thing about of Tudor is that someone I'm not getting mm -hmm. any commission for this, right? <laughs> so <laughs> sell us a Tudor. No, 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 no. You can get um, like for people that like don't have that disposable income. Yeah, you can go to a Tudor shop in Westfield and pay like a monthly payment, or no interest. Mm. That's quite interesting because then. You know, you might not have the, you know, Rolex do that too, though. Do they? He was trying to do it to me because when I went in there to get a watch, obviously I wanted to go on for a couple pieces like this. Um, I put myself down for a day day and stuff well, like that. You've got a relationship with the. I could have done if I bought this watch that he offered me because uh -huh. I, I did go in there. Funny enough, he was actually a fan of Mark. Really? So I told him that I worked for him and all of that. They offered me the one watch, but obviously it wasn't one that I was going to take. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really know. I sent a picture of it to my mate. He just started laughing at me. He said, it's so bad. You don't want that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, not really sure if I'm interested. And like, even if I am, I'm going to need to like liquidate and, and get some money anyway. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, we can just finance it now. And then you can then liquidate and then just clear the finance if you want. And then you can just leave with it right now. And I was like, mm, I'm also trying to get away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a bit of an addiction though, isn't it? Watches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's like you, you get the gateway drug and then you start thinking, oh, I need to get this one and that one and this one and that one. But it's you not going to make you the most returns. Any like investment stocks or watches, it, it's just a way to grow it. it. Well, I suppose watches are a bit faster than stocks, but it's still quite slow. How mm. about businesses? Have you got any of those? Small ones, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like language school, um, online products and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? What about books? Yeah, I've got books, but I get nothing from that. Everyone says that. Yeah, yeah, I get it's nothing. Well, it's the top of the funnel, isn't it? And gets people into your businesses. Yeah, no, it doesn't do anything. I'll be honest. Because really? I, I, yeah, with the with the, it's, the royalties are so mm. so small and mm. uh, I actually did that on purpose because I wanted to get the books out for free, like almost for free. So they're printing out the material and stuff like that. So I. I'm not trying to make money from books. I don't think you can really. You know what? Sometimes it's worth writing a book and putting a premium price on it just so you do make something really? from it. And also people see the value within that book. I think you're right. Do you know this is a good point? Because I realize that sometimes like, if you price something very low, mm -hmm. people 
will say oh, there's something wrong with it do you know what I'm yeah. trying to say like, there's no value to it yeah oh, why would I want to read that it was, it was a fiver yeah, 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 you know, oh, that's thirty quid. That book, that's got to be pretty decent. I, and I've bought it. I am now going to read it. And not only that, I'm going to recommend it to everyone because I've paid thirty quid for that. And I yeah. want everyone to know. Yeah. Just, just to clarify, if you invest in stocks and they go up in value, yeah, are you allowed to do that? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. So just open a stocks and shares ISA. But the ISA issue is that they have an interest, don't they? No, not, not if it's a stocks and shares. If it's a stocks ISA. and oh, shares, ISA. so yeah. you open it's just, up. It's just a wrapper that you would hold the stocks within. Yeah. Okay. So fine, it's tax, tax free. It's just tax free. So you can invest in index funds like the S and P five hundred yeah. long term. You can put in a maximum of twenty grand a year, mm-hmm. which is a substantial amount of money. If you max that out every single year and invest it in the S and P five hundred, you know historically all, all historically ones, yeah. you would do very very well really? and you can sell it have you have you any, guys tried that yeah we all do it yeah oh is it and you can sell it at any time mm-hmm. and bring the money out tax-free there's no retirement hitch or anything like that you can't pull this out now if you've got 60 grand in there but it only cost you 30 and you want to pull that 60 out you'll have it within three days no tax start filling it back up again whatever you want to do but you can only put 20 grand a year in because it's so powerful really yeah yeah you can't backdate that 20 grand either yeah. Mm. So once who, you pulled you, that money who'd out, who'd you do it with? Like, where'd you guys do? Were you well, to we Vanguard. Oh, oh, do you mean the the company? Yeah, yeah, yeah Vanguard. That's I do it with Trading Two One Two, but um, it's just easier on my phone. And, and that it's Vanguard been, is a it's bit always more, been profitable. I, no, Historically, is, yeah. really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Over the course of the last twenty years, nobody knows. No one's His, ever lost. Any nobody money. can tell you what that market's going to do. No one, and yeah. anyone who does, they're trying to have you over yeah. so but you can look at history yeah. like you can with anything which you can help predict your future from yeah and sure. if you look at the historical data it's very good someone mm. who invested in something like the S&P 500 if they invested for a long enough period of time of something like 20 years I'm pretty sure if you look at the past data there is not a single person that will have lost money really, yeah? if they invested for 20 years mm, if okay. you invest for a shorter period of time there's a chance because obviously one year it might lose 5% the next mm-hmm. year it might do 10 mm. the next year it might do 5 and historically that will average out at 8 to 10% per year what about individual growth. like stocks and much stuff? more risky you can yeah. lose a lot more money mm. you can make a lot more money I um, was a big fan of Tesla stock about a year or so ago and I had I think it was about 20 grand in Tesla stock alone mm-hmm. and then I had a tax bill come through for about 20 grand but I think it was no, about, we, we had some money in Tesla I, well. I think it was about 18 yeah. so I was like right my stocks haven't been up for ages I've got this 18 grand tax bill if I sell my stock now that's going to make my tax bill a bit cheaper because mm. I've made a bit of money on the stock so fuck it I'm going to do it so I've sold the stock, yeah. pulled the money out, paid the tax, which I didn't need to do because the tax wasn't due for six months. Five days later, Tesla has gone through the roof. We don't, we don't rub that to in. To the point where I would have made probably 50 or 60 grand maybe. Really, yeah. Like, yeah, like, and it just paid my tax, didn't even need to pay it. And then now I would have this watch, probably have a, a day date as well and but a few you, other things that I don't you, have. If you want to return to tranquility. Yeah, yeah. That's where the index funds work. Yeah. Okay. That's more less risk because these things don't happen. You know, like with, yeah. with Tesla, that could have gone down that much money. Are you, are you, do you guys all invest in individual stocks? A little bit, yeah. Only a little bit, just for fun. Oh, okay. There. Okay. Do, I, do you I want to disclose? Most of my money. <laughs> but, but massively in index well, how much? funds. How much? No, I'm not how much. Percentage. Wait, wait, no. What companies you do it with? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've got some Tesla. I have to pull it up to be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, it's in the broker. You're talking no, about I mean, the, no, the individual companies. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me pull up my 
Uh, I haven't got mine I'm on trying, me, you but know, I'm most really... of his are the same as mine, apart from I, I am in McDonald's quite heavy at really? the moment. Really? I like McDonald's. That's been brilliant. Because it's a real estate company, isn't it? Brilliant. Is it? Mm. I don't even know that. Yeah. They, they, the way they, they own make... so much land. Because essentially... Oh, I've heard that, actually. They, yeah. they, they buy the, the land to, to build the place, mm. and then they've now got a tenant that will pay over the odds because you have to rent it from me if you want a McDonald's. So they've got all this real estate, and everyone's paying a premium. So mm. they're just a massive empire of real estate that also makes a bit of money on burgers. Mm-hmm. Procter & Gamble. Free trade mm. is just so slow. Well. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm, I'm trying to load it up well, at I'm the moment. I'm just giving you a few. Walmart. Okay, yeah. Amazon. Not so good at the moment, but Google, it has been Apple. good. I was in Disney, but then I had to pull all of my money out of there because I saw the way that it was going with Marvel <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lost a couple grand on Meta, Just Eat. Oh, um, Do you guys ever invest in smaller companies, like medium? No, to... like penny stocks and that. Yeah. No, no. not really. If I was what? going to invest in a penny stock, I'd rather find it outside the stock market and invest in your startup. Like you have some kind of investor. influence in the business. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got my biggest ones, the Tesla, Corsair, um, Meta. What's Corsair doing now? Not good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adobe is doing very well because we really? use Adobe products all the time yeah, yeah. Um, with Premiere Pro and everything. So yeah. I thought, yeah, why not buy put some money? You like that's exactly. quite a good tip. Put some money into mm. the stock if I buy the product. Mm. So mm. that's that's how I choose. Um, what else do you guys recommend? And I'm, I'm trying to squeeze no. everything I can. <laughs> but personally, if you've got digital products, yeah. like I put most of my money back into the businesses and mm. into advertising, marketing. Mm-hmm. If you put money into uh, some kind of marketing machine or you put it out on facebook ads or even used it on your personal brand that's going to make you far more money than investing in the s p 500 or stock but i I think i think one key takeaway though is that if you can afford to put 20 grand a year in an isa then do that and it doesn't have to be that up to that okay and and at the end of the day the way i look at it is it's a safety net and i often have the discussion with my wife because she'll say oh when we're going to spend all that money that's stored up i said well no intention to it's a safety net it'll be there possibly till the day I die. Mm. If I need it though, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And it's a great thing to have ticking away in the background. But like you said, like, I don't think you should fill it up if you can use maybe 10 yeah. grand of it in the business, then that's a much better investment than using 20. It depends on your disposable income. Yeah. Like if you can put 50 yeah, back if it into doesn't the business affect and 20 you. into the ISA, then fair enough. Sure. Of course, it all depends on your individual mm. circumstances. When you guys you talk about the digital products, mm. like uh, for example, you got, you've got a YouTube channel, you guys are all part of it, right? Yeah, part yeah. Of the, yeah. So how would you do that? Like effectively, what, what do you mean by like getting advertisements or what? what are you about? Some kind of, so what digital products have you got at the moment? Did you say you had some? We have, no, no, we've got two, like we've got a language school, a small yeah. language school, mm. and we've got a um, one called critical content, which is basically we're, we're teaching Arabic. We're talking about that right? mm. online. Okay. So, so that's is that like, like a, a membership subscription. Yeah. Okay. So you could run ads to promote that. Okay. And then obviously there's going to be a return. So whatever you put in that marketing box, like you put one, you get $7 out. Mm-hmm, Why mm-hmm. not just keep doing it until it makes sense? Of course, there's going to be a limit to the amount of advertising you can do. Mm-hmm. But that is a far better investment than putting a thousand into the S&P 500 and getting an 8%. Mm-hmm. Or, so and I you're think, getting 80 quid or whatever. I think you should point. do both. Okay. Put, put into the S&P 500 and also do what he says. But what I would probably do is also toy with ads because obviously it can work but if you can make these products build into what you already do or if they don't make some new products that do for example let's say you've got a language school and it's how to speak arabic mm-hmm. people look up to you um you know in islam and they they want to be a muslim like you or be able to speak like you and understand things in the way that you do 
So your That's audience... great advertisement you hear this, yeah? So <laughs> your audience, if they want to learn how to speak Arabic like you can, or yeah. they want to understand the Quran like you can, mm-hmm. then you could have a product for that. Mm-hmm. And then every single video you make that gets 100,000 views, million mm-hmm. views, 500,000 views, you mention it. Oh yeah, by the way, guys, I've got this thing. You can come and join mm-hmm. me every week or whatever. Then you're getting all that free marketing by building that into your existing empire. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like James Sinclair. And I think also what you should take from this is you've got three different views of different things coming together which can be confusing Mm. but Mm. what a a mistake I think a lot of people do is they go right well I'll do what he does Mm. and that's it well that doesn't all suit you or or take what I say that doesn't all suit you take the bits that suit you put those together because you're an individual and make that work for you and just Mm. to clarify and build on that Mm. I am the least wealthy person here so just listen to me. Really? I thought you were the most listen to me the, the least. No, no, I am. Okay. I, I, I am probably the least. Um, right, Dad, I think it's time for your famous question. Yeah. When is enough enough? When we're in the grave. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When we're in the grave. Because, think? yeah, that's, there is a hadith. And I've been saying that recently, that nothing will fill the... Uh, the son of Adam's belly, except for the grave. Like, you know, when is enough, is it, when is enough enough when we die? I think there's, we're always going to have these appetites. We're always going to want more. And there's only going to be one thing that's going to close the deal, which is going to be death itself. The end. <laughs> and on that bombshell. Thank you very much for coming on so the podcast. Really thank you for it. your advice as well, man. I, honestly, it was actually very good advice. And it's good advice for the Muslim community as well. You know, Excellent. You know, because we need people to become more competent in these things, including myself. Mm. I'm very incompetent with this kind of things. You probably have to watch it back because we just bamboozled you. No, honestly, that's why we started the channel is purely to to help people, you know, level up. Yes, that's that's all it's about. It's all it's ever Uh, been about. Strike it big, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, to strike it big, not level up. Yeah. (laughs) If you guys have enjoyed the episode, make sure to smash that thumbs up button for the YouTube algorithm, and we will see you next Wednesday with a brand new episode. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from all these guys. See you later. That was awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) I really enjoyed it.